Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So this is the uh, third Mass of the evening for me. And uh, at the four and the six o'clock Mass, uh, I had my homilies ready to go. And uh, I had my homily ready to go. And most of you know I don't write anything down. So I was ready to go. I had the basic gist. And then I heard the beautiful music ahead of time. And so things started shifting and changing in me. And uh, so we're going to go with something different now. All right. So uh, you're hearing it in live action just like I am. So there you are. All right. There was a really important question asked right after World War II. It wasn't asked by uh, everyday people as much as it was asked by some people who were the artists in Europe. And the artists in Europe began to ask this question, is beauty a distraction or a revelation? Meaning at the end of the day, what's really real? All the evil and destruction and the smell of the gas chambers that are still wafting in the air of Europe? Or at the end of the day, is what's really real beauty and goodness? And they went back and forth and they said, you know, even if it's just a distraction, it's good. Because at least we don't have to think about such terrible things. But many people weren't satisfied with that. They said, well, if it's not a revelation of something truly real, then what are we doing? What are we doing? All we're giving people is an Advil. That's not enough. Christian saints and theologians in the 20th century picked up the same question. And this was going through my mind and heart as I'm sitting back there listening to the beauty of the choir, listening to people practice, and we'll hear more of it throughout the Mass is that whenever you encounter beauty, something really beautiful, you're not fulfilled, you're pierced. You aren't totally content in the sense that I need nothing else forever. Instead, something restless awakens in you and you want more. You almost want to, if you can, swim in a song. And it makes no sense except there's no other way to describe it. When you hear beauty, you want to dive in. You want to be enter into this reality and you want it to penetrate every part of you. Beauty takes us out of the everyday and it reminds us what it means to be human. It reminds us that we can't be summed up by our biology, that there's more to life than this. Jesus himself says, man does not live by bread alone, meaning there's something more to you and to me than simply Let's just eat a meal, work nine to five, have a house, retire, and hopefully we can die with some loved ones around us. There has to be something more out there. We feel it in our bones. And beauty has a way of putting us in touch with that place deep inside. What's amazing about beauty is that for over 2,000 years, actually around 3,000 years, even before God enters the world at Christmas time, every philosopher across the board said, God is beauty. When you encounter a beautiful sunset, when you read a beautiful poem or piece of work, when you hear a beautiful song, you see a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, you're encountering something of God. 
And so it awakens in us. And so if God is the beautiful one, Christmas is rather strange. Because what do we do with beauty? We put it in a beautiful art museum. At the Cleveland Museum of Art, if you've never been there, it's free. Check it out. Okay, if you're visiting Cleveland, go next week. It's worth your time. All right. But it's beautiful. Great art. Amazing. We enshrine it in this beautiful building. What do you do if you have a beautiful uh, piece of landscape? You take care of it. It's meticulous. No weeds. But where does the beautiful one choose to be born? Not where things are great, not where things are awesome, not when things are all put together. He's born where animals make a mess and eat. Beauty, like the divine beauty, the highest beauty, enters into the lowest points of our life. And from there, he doesn't rule with an iron fist, but as a little child reaches up to us, as if God descending wasn't enough, now he's got the humility of a baby. The creator of the stars needs help being picked up. What we discover is the most beautiful reality of all isn't a song, isn't a poem, isn't a sunset. The most beautiful reality is love. Love becomes the very thing that pierces us so deeply that for love of country, men and women have given their lives. For love of women, stoic men write poetry and sing out of nowhere. For love, people leave a job and move across the world. Love seizes us and we realize the beauty of love is the ultimate meaning of our lives. And guess what? When people fall in love, they don't say things like, I can't wait to be in love for five minutes. You know what they say? They say, I want this forever. Because we know love and infinity go together because love is of God. And so on Christmas, what we celebrate is that the beautiful God, the God of love, does what love does. He bends down to us. Some of you out here tonight, but at this parish, we're incredibly blessed with the community that's highly educated. And some of you have amazing jobs. My first 18 months here, I've been blown away by people's education, way smarter than me, and all these great things. And what's funny is you have kids. And I know that you ruled in your boardroom during the day, and then you came back home and you talked with baby talk. Like, how's my little buddy doing? You sounded stupid. But the only reason that makes sense is because of love. Otherwise, you're a weirdo as an adult. Love makes us bend down. It makes us translate our life so the one we love can understand. It's beautiful. Or when you see it, my first assignment in Parma, there was a guy who was a construction worker, and he showed me underneath his steel-toed boots, his toes were painted because he had a tea party with his daughter the night before. Here's this blue-collar, hard-working guy, steel-toed booth with a nice pink color on his toes. If his buddies only knew. That's either mockable or it's meaningful. It's either a distraction or a revelation. 
It's either of God and has to do with the ultimate meaning of our lives, or it's just a quaint thing to talk about. Christmas, the manger, is a celebration, not of a God up there that we think, wow, he created everything. He must be all-powerful. Actually, he shows how powerful he is by saying, I'm going to rule you by loving you. I'm going to be in charge by being small. In the very places you think in your own heart, in your own relationships, in your own world, are insignificant, unnoticed, embarrassing, awkward, messy, and broken. He says, that's where I'm at. You want beauty and meaning? I'm right there. Not conquering, not condemning, but living with you, reaching up, wanting to be held, wanting to be noticed. Our God becomes vulnerable because love becomes vulnerable. And in that breaking open vulnerable love, we see the truth that beauty isn't a distraction. Beauty is a taste and promise of the life to come. And Jesus came to say, let me take you by the hand to show you the only way into the fullness of that life. This is Christmas, and it's really good news. Merry Christmas.